Hello and welcome to the Foot School Podcast. I'm Andy Brummage. The music you're hearing is lower school music teacher Tina Cunningham leading third graders in the Pennsylvania Dutch folk song, When I First Came to This Land. The class was singing outside in the main courtyard under a big tent with Tina and the students all wearing masks. That's why the voices sound a little muffled. Normally, this kind of singing would be fairly unremarkable at foot. But this year, with the pandemic changing the way we do everything, this is a big deal. Singing is only permitted outside, with students facing the same direction, wearing masks, and spaced at least six feet from one another. It's just one of the many ways that our music teachers have had to reimagine the curriculum in light of the virus. We sat down with Tina and middle school music teacher Deidre Hart to learn about the creative ways they are adapting Foote's music program. Similar methods are being used by Foote's two other music teachers, Dana Kephart Queros and Debbie Thiessen. Tina, when did you first realize that you would have to make some pretty serious changes to how you teach music in light of the COVID restrictions? Hmm. Well, in early March, uh, when we started having faculty meetings to plan for the possibility of distance learning, we began to realize quickly um, that we would have to make changes if we were teaching from home. Um, and so we were spending time thinking about ways that how could we actively make music with kids from home over the computer. And teaching music online has its own challenges. Um, a big one of them is not being able to sing or play music at the same time in a live setting because of the delay that's inherent in that technology at this point. We were able to adjust to this, and we provided lots of different lessons depending on the age level, from videos to uh, live interactive lessons using a variety of technology. Um, Another issue that became apparent pretty quickly into um, learning about the virus was issues around singing and playing wind instruments. We were hearing about the problem with aerosol emissions when singing, especially in groups and choirs all over the world having infections and So after learning about the results of some nationwide studies on aerosol emissions and singing, uh, we continued to closely watch the research from March onward. And that research has impacted musicians and educators around the world. So since singing is at the heart of our work in music education, uh, we knew we had to adjust. Um, Again, in the summer, as we met in uh, groups of teachers and committees planning for the year, it became apparent um, once we learned we were going to be teaching in person and have that opportunity, um, along with some virtual teaching to students at home, we were realizing um, that that would once again be an issue because we would need to be able to adjust and have Um, opportunities for singing safely outside at a distance with mask on, but then not be singing inside the classroom. Um, So that would adjust our, our, the way we planned our curriculum and our lessons. Deidre, you told me about some unexpected silver linings about teaching remotely last spring. Can you say more about that? While we create and maintain a supportive learning environment for kids to make music and try new things, and we encourage making mistakes, Uh, That's a big ask in middle school, and it takes a lot of courage to learn new things in front of your peers. 
So students who are shy or nervous about singing in front of their peers in the classroom sent me incredible videos of them singing in the comfort of their own homes and knowing that they could record as many times as they wanted to and submit a version that they felt really proud of really helped them to have that courage and bravery. So while experiencing nerves and adrenaline and learning how to work with that is really important, this was a moment for those kids to shine. So each of the music faculty is teaching one grade in person, and the rest of the grades they teach uh, remotely in their classrooms. Um, for those grades that you are teaching in person, how have mask wearing and, and physical distancing affected the way that you normally teach, and, and what creative workarounds have you come up with for this? Yeah, it's been great to be able to try to do um, singing activities outside, and it's a little hard to hear when we're wearing masks, and it's a little hard as a teacher to project and make sure the students can hear you outside with all the noise around um, of just the natural noise of being outside. So one thing we've done is we're wearing mic headsets over our mask, and that allows us to project and have the students hear us, and uh, we can sing for them that way. Um, that's been really helpful. Um, it's been a lifesaver, really a voice saver, too. Um, so we're singing outside six feet or more apart, facing in one direction. And the sound, it's not the same as before when we weren't wearing masks and we weren't spread out. But there's still a good sound, and we're happy to be singing. While we use microphone and speaker outdoors so we can be heard easily while we're physically distanced, a lot of our work with kids in person is exactly the same as it was or very similar to the way that it always has been. And that's really nice. Tina, with these in-person classes, you've also been uh, leaning a lot on dance and doing a lot with that. So uh, the other day when I was out watching you, uh, the children were using the poles in your outdoor learning tent um, to as sort of markers, it seemed like, for where their place was. And I'm just interested if you could talk about um, kind of how you are incorporating dance and space um, within these tents and outside as well uh, as, as part of this reimagined curriculum. Yeah, you're right, Andy. The poles have been a great marker for the kids in terms of distancing. And um, that's been a nice another nice thing about using the tents, although sometimes we are outside the tents. But when the kids also can bring a yoga mat or another kind of seat and use that as a marker for keeping their distance, but also dancing in a certain um, area. And so we've been having kids move in place. We've been, we've always do dancing as part of our curriculum, but we're modifying the dances so that they're not partner dances and that the student um, works in one area. And we do pick a lot of more non-locomotor games and dances, meaning they dance in a certain area, not moving all around. Tina, one of the interesting things that you've been doing this year is incorporating American Sign Language um, into your music lessons. Can you kind of talk about how that idea came to be and, and how you're using sign language? When we were planning for music classes for the fall, it felt daunting to teach music without singing. It's at the core of our philosophy of how people come together and how we learn. And in realizing how important it would be for students to be able to express themselves, it seemed like using American Sign Language could be a way for kids to participate when they're inside and not able to sing. Another motivation I had for including sign language is the opportunity to learn hand signs related to emotions and feelings, and then connecting that to songs. 
So we've been trying to really think about how we can take care of um, ourselves and others during these difficult times. And it seemed like a good way to bring in those messages um, and a way of realizing your own feelings. So as simple as happy birthday for sign language or more complicated in third grade doing Three Little Birds by Bob Marley, um, the message of don't worry, everything's going to be all right was one that I wanted to share from day one. And we've done that even um, in fourth and fifth grade, too. You've also been getting really creative with um, the classes that you're teaching remotely. Um, So modifying songs and games and dances for small spaces. Um, You're obviously teaching from another location, um, sort of beaming into the kids' rooms. Um, You've talked about how you're using objects in their desks uh, to have them use those as percussion. Um, What are a couple of the songs that um, you've been teaching the remote students and sort of how has that... um, played out? How do you create musical interaction when you're not physically in the same space with them? So yeah, Andy, like you said, um, I'm streaming into the classroom on the big screen. And um, instead of the children singing, they are saying rhymes and poems and listening as I sing or play music for them. And they're moving to music and continuing to learn concepts as they usually would. And one example is in kindergarten, they're doing um, the song Sleeping Bunnies. And the students are listening to me as I sing, and they're acting out the song, acting out the lyrics of the song. So they're listening for the sleeping bunnies, and they are the sleeping bunnies um, on their mats. And the music is quieter and slower. And then they jump up when the music gets faster um, and louder. And they move to the beat and, of course, have fun. And so that's an example of how we're going over those concepts of uh, fast and slow, quiet, loud, um, and those kind of things. And, and listening is an important part of things. So for them to be able to listen um, and respond to the music is, um, is a skill and a concept that we want to develop. Also, they're learning to sing songs inside their heads, which we often call in the music education world inner hearing or audiation. So um, that, that is something that we're capitalizing on, too, during this time. Deidre, I watched a class of yours learning A Papa, a Maori stick passing song recently. And normally this is a partner song where sixth graders flip and pass sticks to one another. Uh, Obviously they can't do that this year, but you and the students came up with some pretty creative workarounds. Can you talk about your approach to reimagining this song and ones like it? We use a rich and diverse body of repertoire to teach concepts, connect to history, and to understand the stories of the people and cultures of the world. Maintaining this aspect of our curriculum was really important to me. But as you mentioned, much of the music we play usually involves partner work or sharing materials or hand clapping, and we can't do that right now. So we're modifying our songs and dances in little ways by giving the kids opportunities to create and improvise. We still maintain the authenticity of the music and movement and teach the history and how these songs came to be but we allow for the music to change with the times and circumstances that we find ourselves living through. It's hard to imagine foot school without 
singing on Grandparents Day and Martin Luther King Day and all the other all-school assemblies, usually gathering in the gym for these. Have you been thinking about how to keep that spirit alive, given that we can't all gather together in those spaces? We can continue to learn the songs that help build our community. And Dana and I plan to share those with our students at the virtual morning meetings that we have on Friday mornings, where kids can sing from home or from their classrooms. It's not the same, but it's still singing, and it's still a community effort. So there are lots of ways to share music and for children to feel that sense of pride in their work. Um, Sometimes we find that the work even changes in positive ways or the audience has a different experience because we have to present differently. So the pandemic really forces us to think about the most important things in life and in learning. And so um, if we just work to maintain that and be flexible with the rest, I think we'll come up with some great answers. Um, What might this look like this year? We're still really figuring this out, but in middle school, it might be an informants rather than a performance where students can maybe share their work and explain their process in more detail because we use a different approach. Or maybe it looks like a behind the curtain um, thing where maybe kids can have the chance to teach their families something that they've learned. I'm pretty confident that we can find ways to keep the spirit of music in the community alive. And if we ever get stuck, then the kids usually have the answer. Well, Tina and Deirdre, thank you so much for joining us for this conversation. Go on this way. Here we go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, go in. Foot School Podcasts are a production of The Foot School, an independent school for grades K-9 to in New Haven, Connecticut. Subscribe to our podcast and leave us a rating and a review while you're there. It will help other people find our podcast. Find more information at www.footschool.org. Thank you for listening.